This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 28 of season two. And today I have a different kind of guest. And I wanted to start by saying, you know, I love y'all. And I understand that sometimes conversations can be hard. This one might be for you. So this is a trigger warning to all my beloveds out there, all of us witches and pagans, and everyone in between, I will be interviewing a pastor. So you have this moment to go ahead and turn it off and think about whether or not you want to hear any more. I promise you I'm going to be fair and honest, and I would not have this guest on my show if I wasn't positive that it would be a good discussion. I would like to introduce y'all to Pastor Adam from the Clackamas Church of Christ. Adam, would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. And I want to say, Seba, thank you so much for having me on your show, Southern Fried Witch. I am a firm believer that we should always have been working together, and I am so happy to work with you on making the world a better place. And I am just honored that you are having me on your podcast. So thank you for letting me be here. You're more than welcome. I've been following you for a long time, and I would like to start with the way I found you, which is I saw your church signs, and I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with those, on the internet, and they were being shared quite a lot. And they were not what I was used to seeing. Everything from Jesus had two dads, and we think that's awesome. (laughs) Yes, come on. Yeah, bring it, right? Uh, You know, trans people are people, and Uh everyone is welcome here. It was astounding to me, and it got my attention. So would you mind telling everyone, a little bit about who you are as a pastor, but also maybe something about yourself as a, as a human being. Yeah, just kind of to introduce myself, I'm a pastor in Clackamas United Church of Christ. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, that's it is an easy thing to get mixed up because there is another denomination that is called the Church of Christ without United in it. And they tend to be on the other end of the spectrum. So we are the United Church of Christ, and we have roots in ancient or in, in older Christian denominations in the United States that were on the forefront of abolishing slavery. We are the denomination that was on the forefront of ordaining the first female pastor in the United States. The United Church of Christ has always been on the forefront of being inclusive and working for justice in the world. And I grew up Lutheran. That's a fine denomination. But when I was introduced to the United Church of Christ, I saw a mission that looked more like Jesus to me than other denominations that I have been introduced to. And, uh, you know, I keep remembering Gandhi's quote, and you have quoted to me Gandhi's quote, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. (laughs) That's right. We all have, Christians all have work to do with the history and the horrors that we have enacted in this world. And I see that kind of admission in the United Church of Christ and an attempt to want to do better. And that has been kind of my goal throughout my ministry. When I was first hired at Clackamas United Church of Christ, I told them when they were interviewing me that the reason that people aren't going to progressive Christian churches is because they don't know we exist. That's one of the reasons. Why? Because other Christians have the loudest microphone in the world, and they're not doing and saying things that I want Christianity to be known for. So we need to increase our 
microphone level <laughs> and let people know that there are other kinds of Christians out there. And uh, we started posting up these messages that you saw on the, on the sign. One of them was right at the beginning was in the previous administration. You may remember that the previous president said things like that he wouldn't do something with a certain woman because she has a horse face. Yes. And immediately, that was like one of the first messages that I put up on the sign. I said, just to be clear, no woman should be called horse face. And immediate, like, this is, this is like a uh, basic statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are Christians supporting this guy who says, who's out there calling people horse face? This is, I wouldn't let my middle school kid get away with this. How are we letting any adult get away with this? So I put that up on the sign and immediately I had two different cars come down and talk to me about it. One of them was from a woman in her 60s and said, how dare you be political on your sign? And I was like, mm. when, when is it that a statement like you shouldn't call people horse face political? That's not a political statement. It's only political because certain Christians are supporting a certain president and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to make the obvious moral statement that you shouldn't be saying these things about women, about anyone. It's just like, what world are we living in when people are doing this? So I am trying to put out a message into the world that I think is more like that Gandhi quote, that is more Christ-like. Um, I find that to be my mission to make, to convert Christians to Christ. <laughs> oh, I love what you just said. That is, I, I feel like that is my main mission in this world. And um, if we can get Christians to be more Christ-like, I think the world would be a better place. I think so, too. And, I, you know, I do find Christ to be groovy. I do. I call him Jesus, yes. and I think he was amazing. A lot of my witch friends and pagan friends also feel this way. I think I, I like to refer to him as my brother. Um, I love referring to him that way. He refers to his disciples in some of the gospels as friend. And he says like, you should now call me your friend because that's where we're at. And so that's kind of like friendship with God, friendship with Jesus, while also working for a more just and inclusive world is one of my goals. So, well, Adam, let's get into some of the harder stuff. Um, we're talking about converting Christians more yes. to their own Christ that they really need as a foundation yep. in their lives. Especially if you're going to have this faith, it should be that foundation. What about, you know, today, uh, one of the things we talked about, full transparency, is um, I sent you notes. Yep. One of the biggest concerns from, I talked to the people in my Patreon. These are the people who are supporting the podcast financially. In lieu of this conversation, some of their concerns were that maybe you would try to convert people, that that was maybe the reason that you agreed to be on the podcast. Um, other concerns, well, they were as fluid as uh, being worried about that you might be pandering to the left. I know, but let's consider it. Yeah, absolutely. All the way to perhaps not being who you really say you are. Yeah. And after I dealt with those concerns, which I had a very sleepless night doing, oh. I woke up the next morning and all of their messages had switched. They had become, we're nervous, but we believe in you. We trust you. Maybe we want to hear what he has to say. It won't change who we are. Yeah. And so they had a few questions. And I don't know if you're open to those today, but I think you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you do a one question with Pastor Adam on your Facebook. And I feel the need to even go so forward as to say that you've spoken about Satanism. Yep. Um, in a very open-minded way. So... I also, if you want to go to my TikTok, I have a playlist called A Christian Support of Our Witches. I did not know that. I have a Christian support of Satanists. And the reason that I do this and what opened my eyes to this is that, uh, Seba, people, yeah. witches and Satanists started watching uh, my TikToks. 
<laughs> and they started saying, I am not a Christian, but I support your message. Yes. And I started thinking, this is the point. This is what Jesus wants me to do, is to build relationships with people who are trying to make the world a better place. Yes. And to me, that is, I call it the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Jesus. I don't really care what other people call it. I care what other people call it as long as it fits with them and makes sense to them. Because we are tapping into the fundamental reality of the universe, which for me, Jesus reveals to be love. A love that works for a more just, compassionate world. And if Satanists are down with that and down with working together towards that, I thank my God. <laughs> I thank my understanding of who God is for that, because we need more people in this world to make it better. And if you're a Satanist, if you're a witch, if you're a Buddhist, a Muslim, a atheist, I just want to work with more people to make it better, more inclusive, more loving. That's my goal. And so I started putting these TikToks out and getting messages from witches. I've even had, I don't know how you or your community thinks of um, these folks, but there is a movement within Christianity of, uh, I, I have an ordained witch Yes. at my church. Yes, we, we call them Christopagans. Yes, I have this person, I've interviewed her on my TikTok, a Christian interview of a Christian ordained witch on my TikTok, it's there. She has cast spells on the building, spells of protection, because we get a lot of attention uh, because of our sign, because of the messages that we send out there. Um, our church has been vandalized by, it's only Christians who do this to us. So wow. we, we have been vandalized by fellow Christians. And so when she said, I can put a spell around the building, mm -hmm. I said, please do, please do that. Wow. She has also uh, said that she could cast spells to shut the mouths of people from saying negative things about me and about the church. And I was like, I would like that. Yes, please do that. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she did that too. And she taught me that uh, one of the questions that I asked her on the TikTok video was, what are spells? And she basically told me that they're, I don't know, one of the things that I've learned is that like there's a diversity within Christianity and Christians and what we mm -hmm. think of the world. There's also a, a variety of similar thoughts and how things work for witches too, right? We're not a monolith. None of us are. Um, mm -hmm. So she says that spells are comparable to prayers. You're putting some kind of energy out into the world, asking for uh, certain things. And that makes good sense to me. So as long as you are putting out, I don't know, I mean, for me, it's she's putting out positive positivity into the world. And I'm like, that's what we need. We need more of that. So me, I want you to be the best witch that you can be. And I want to be able to support you as best I can in you living out your identity as a witch in the best way that you can. And if I, as a Christian pastor, can help you do that, that's what I want to do. Well, what I'm hearing is something so much different than anything I've ever heard before coming from any pastor or honestly, any Christian. It is stunning to me. It, I want to get into the question of whether or not you're an anomaly. But first, I wanted to ask you, so you're not actively or perhaps even covertly attempting to convert us no i want you to stay a witch i want you to be the best witch that you can be yeah how does that lay in conversation with the greater christian theology of thou shalt not suffer a witch to live and the whole conversion and that's an honest question how does that lay in conversation with your with your brothers and sisters in the faith there are many of us this is the problem. This is the problem that progressive Christianity has. <sighs> um, 
It's okay. Take your time. Yeah. The other people in the room are, are just louder than we are. And so everybody assumes that Christianity is the angry, loud, exclusive people who interpret the Bible in a certain way that claims that we hold the truth and you have to be like us in order for you to be in order for in order for you to have the truth or for you to be saved. <laughs> That's bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> that that is not Jesus. That is theological arrogance. That's Christian arrogance. It is what has been the problem with Christianity for roughly 2000 years. And I don't see Jesus in that. And I don't see much of, I don't, there are a lot of my Jewish siblings feel similar ways that I do. And we can go into that a little more. Uh, interestingly, if you Google Judaism and witches, you will find that there have been Jewish witches for thousands of years. <laughs> and, yes. uh, you know, somehow Judaism, where you get uh, this phrase, you shall not suffer a witch to live, has, or a medium to live, or whatever, is a very confusing verse. It's hotly debated what that verse even means. And Judaism, for thousands of years, have been able to combine witchcraft, uh, witches, with the Jewish experience. Tragically, Christians tended to go in a horrific direction, even doing witch hunts, as we know, and it is time for witch hunts to end. And nothing could be further from Christ than witch hunts. And so Christians who continue to do witch hunts today, are they are the ones who are sinning and missing the mark. And so I am here to proclaim that from a Christian point of view, I want you to be the best witch that you can be. That is the most um, healing thing I've ever heard from anyone of the church ever. I, it honestly brings me a little bit to tears and I'm always honest about where I am. Yeah. But I'm not the only one. The trauma from the church. Yeah. It, it's significant. Yep. And I think a lot, not all, of course, but quite a few of the witch friends that I know turn to a nature-based spirituality in which they felt a little bit more autonomy, a little bit more freedom to be real, to not constantly have to carve off pieces of themselves to be good enough. And they're in a lot of pain. To be honest, even I'm in a lot of pain, Pastor Adam. I lost my job in 2014. I was a decorated teacher, had won multiple awards. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I was subjected to a witch hunt and uh, had to rebuild my life from there. It was very difficult because I love teaching and I love my students. Let me ask you something. If you were privy to a situation like that with someone that you knew, someone that you cared for, would you stand for them? Because none of my Christian friends did, and I lost everything. How far would you defend the rights of witches? We are, in a lot of ways, in the closet, especially in the Deep South, Adam. Yeah. Afraid to lose our jobs, afraid our children may be subject to violence, afraid our neighbors will hurt us. I don't even know what to say to you about that, because I don't blame you, and I want you to hear me. I think I told you this in an email for all of Christendom. That would be unfair. But you're the only Christian willing to speak to me in this way. And I just need a voice to answer. What about us? We are good people. We love our grandbabies. We pay our taxes. Yeah. If the worst thing we are doing is kneeling in the woods, thanking the great mother or whatever God is who they need to thank to have that connection if that is the worst we are then is that the worst thing a person can be is a witch is that the worst thing we can be because it sometimes feels like that so is there anything you want to say to us especially those of us in the closet in the deep south uh my uh my heart is breaking for you and i it just brings me a lot of pain that this is stemming from a Christian culture 
that that is abhorrent, that has completely missed the mark. Um, I stand with you. I am with you. Uh, I I don't want to like pretend that I am like the good Christian in this. I don't want to say not all Christians. Uh, that just feels so fake and awful to me. There's a lot of work to do, and I am here to do the work to normalize witches in our culture, to look at a witch and say, you are part of my family, you are my friend, and I am here to support you. And when Christians go after you, let me be the one to stand in the way, to stand with you when you need somebody to stand with you, to stand in front of you when you need someone to stand in front of you, to stand behind you when you need someone to stand behind you. I want to be that person for witches, for Satanists, for atheists. And I don't always know how to do that, but I'm here to listen. I'm here to follow your lead. You know, I, I don't know why we're so scary. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. You are beautiful, wonderful people. And I have met you uh, on social media. I've met folks in real life. And you are not scary people. You're beautiful people. I have so much to learn from you. Christianity has so much to learn from you when it comes to earth care. Tragically, Christians are known for being the ones who deny climate change, who deny science, who are told in our sacred scriptures that God created the earth and it is good, and yet we treat it like it's not good, right? These are all things within our scriptures that we claim are holy and we ignore them. And here you are having a reverence for nature, having a deep care and a synergy would you call it a, a symbiotic relationship with nature? I don't know. But you have a respect and a love for nature that I want to learn from. And learning from you, learning from witches, will make me a better person. Adam, it's all wrapped up for us. It's all not, I can't, I want to go ahead and say and make sure I say this first. I cannot speak for all witches and pagans. I cannot. I can speak for me and the handful that I know dearly. For us, I think what you would call God, it's in the trees. It's mm. in the tomato plants that have been doing from heirloom seed for 10 years. It's the wonder of all the little living creatures that are on my little farm. And, and we resist things like pesticides, yes. herbicide. Um, we don't kill things. Snakes are not evil. Right. Yes. <laughs> they are taking care of our rat population. Yep. And rats are not evil. We're all part of this beautiful beating heart. Mm. And for us, I I'm saying God. I believe in goddess. But I can use another term. God is in these tiny details. God is in the movement yes. of a tree. For us, it was always earth-based. Yeah, yeah. Where else could we get that mother love? Yes. Than from the thing that was always there to sustain us. And many of us even believe that animals are just as, if not even sometimes more, important than ourselves. Yeah. Because they are here too. And who are we? So I'm glad you're open to that. I'm glad that you're listening to that because there is no way that that could be evil, the love of a tree or the earth. There's no way. And we are doing that work. Witches and pagans tend to do that work. We also tend to do the work of fighting for human rights, fighting for LGBTQIA plus mm -hmm. communities. We fight for these things because, well, we understand them. Yeah. We understand what a closet feels like. We understand what it's like to be lesser than according to a political schema or an ideology. And I'm so glad that you're there listening. I just really hope there are more of you. We didn't really get into that too much. And I know that you can't speak for everyone, but have you seen any increase in that direction? Have you seen the ground softening a bit? 
I where I see Christianity going is I think that I am hearing the uh, folks on the other side of the aisle getting louder. And I think it's because they are losing their power and they know that they're losing their power. And I thank God for that. And what I'm also seeing is more and more Christians, whether you call them progressive Christians or whatever, building relationships with folks that we haven't expected <laughs> to build relationships in the past. Before I started doing TikTok, I never would have thought that I would have started building relationships with Satanists. And I'm seeing that more and more. I'm seeing that spirit open up more and more. And I am getting this spirit from mentors in my life who have helped me open up to be able. So I'm telling you this because I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not an anomaly in this, in wanting you to be the best witch that you can be. This is something that is gaining more and more steam in Christianity. I have a, a friend and mentor named Brian McLaren, who just came out with a book called Do I Stay Christian? A guide for the doubters, the disappointed, and the disillusioned. <laughs> and there are many of us Christians who are having these conversations like you and I are having. And we're seeing the horrors that Christianity has inflicted upon others. And we are asking this question, do I stay or do I go? Wow. And do I, one of the reasons to go is precisely because we are still doing these horrible witch hunts and it's 2022 and you have experienced this. Many of our witch siblings have experienced these witch hunts, these modern witch hunts and the witch hunts need, need to end. And uh, Brian in his book, uh, I don't think he talks specifically about witches, but he does talk about the Christian tendency to scapegoat others. We have turned a religion that is based on Jesus, the one who was scapegoated by the religious elite and political elite of his day, uh, and we have turned that into another weapon to scapegoat others. I mean, he was a bit of a victim of a witch hunt himself. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus says... Where you are going to find me in this world, in Matthew chapter 25, he says, in those who are suffering, in those who are scapegoated. Where do we find Jesus in this world? I hope that I am not, this doesn't come across as some kind, some form of supremacy. If it does, please forgive me. Please let me know and, <laughs> and forgive me if I am. But as a Christian, where do I see Christ in the world? I see Christ in those who are suffering, precisely in the witches of the 16th century and the 21st century. That's where Jesus is for me in this world, in those who are being scapegoated primarily by those who claim to be Christians. Those who claim to be Christians when they turn the religion in the name of Jesus and use it as a weapon against others, we are turning against the very Christ we claim to love and worship. You know, I had a I wasn't going to talk about it, Adam, but I'm going to bring it up. I have a priest who listens to the podcast. I will never out this priest. And I remember about a year in, he wrote to me and he said, Seba, you are turning everything I believed on its ear. Catholic priest. Mm. I'm in a crisis of spirit. And I wrote back and I said, I don't want you to be in a crisis of spirit. I don't want you to feel those ways. Why are you feeling those ways? And he responded that he was having trouble because he saw everything he believed that was good about Jesus and God and his religion. He, he saw that spark in me yeah. and he didn't understand how could that be in a witch. And it threw him. It put him in a crisis of spirit. I don't think that people need to be in a crisis to realize that good could be anywhere, <laughs> that we could be real and wonderful and maybe, maybe magical. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I like when I, when I see that in you and in my witch siblings, I doesn't, it doesn't give me a crisis moment. It gives me a thank God moment. It gives me a like, this is where I'm going to uh, to get into trouble. 
It's okay. We like trouble. Jesus liked trouble. Okay. Okay. This is this is the the language that I experience and see the world and it's it's not going to come out right and so I'm st- I'm a work in progress. It's okay. I'll I'll give you like the 1970s Karl Rahner, uh, one of the most important Catholic theologians of the 20th century, how he put it and the problem with how he put it. But I want to hold on to it uh, while recognizing the problem and formulating a different way of saying it. He said, and you'll see the problem with this immediately, he said that there are people who are not Christians who live out the spirit of what we call Christ. He used the phrase, this is tragic that he used this phrase, he used the phrase anonymous Christians. Mm. And so he would say Muslims and Jews, Mm. other folks uh, have a kind of anonymous Christianity to them because they live out the spirit of Christ. This is supremacist language. Mm -hmm. If I were to tell a somebody, oh yeah, you're really an anonymous Christian, that's offensive. Yes, it's colonizing. Yes, exactly, exactly. And there's something bigger happening. I call, sometimes I call God the great mother. We have a lot of similar language that we use for God. And I want to see the spirit of God, the spirit of what I see as love, justice, compassion, spread throughout all people. And I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. There's a rich young man that comes to Jesus and says, hey, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And he's talking about life right now, like a life of significance, a life that matters right now. What do I need to do? Yes. And Jesus doesn't say, believe in me. (laughs) You must believe certain doctrines about me in order to have this eternal life. He doesn't say uh, you have to believe in the hypostatic union or the Trinity or anything like that. What does he say? He says, basically, he says, live out the final six commandments of the Ten Commandments. Doesn't even quote like the first three that are about God. Jesus says, love your neighbor to this man. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, I've done that, but I'm still like, I'm not there yet. And so Jesus says, well, then you got to sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come and hang out with me. Let's do this thing together, right? Right. So Jesus so often talks about the way to eternal life is through love, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. He talks about love of God as well, but how you love God is how you love your neighbor. And he makes no distinctions between neighbor. Your Samaritan neighbor, your Jewish neighbor, your neighbor who believes in God the same way you do, your neighbor who doesn't believe in God the same way you do, your black neighbor, your brown neighbor, your atheist neighbor doesn't matter to Jesus. Your all he gay says, neighbor, your, gay your neighbor, lesbian neighbor, your trans neighbor, your witch yeah. neighbor. Come on, let's go. Jesus just wants <laughs> us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And that is how Christians love God. And if I see that spirit in you, in a Satanist, Satanist in uh-huh. whoever, a Muslim, um, please, like, Thank God. Thank God for that. Thank the Holy Mother for that. Thank the universe for that. Just give thanks for that spirit spreading to more and more people. You know, Adam, I I say all the time to everybody who listens to me, and it actually is very dear to my heart, that this this is the most critical thing for me, is that dogma is a spirituality killer. Mm. I know, I know. It's it's a little radical, but yeah. It, it, if you can't think outside of the box, yeah. if you stuck in some kind of interpretation that you've heard that you believe could send you to heaven or hell or you know, wherever over the rainbow bridge. Yeah. At the end of the day, if it was the dogma that held you in place and not the movement of your spirit, then that's not that's not the sacred. Uh, Catherine Clement and Julia Kristeva wrote a book. I'm going to send you a copy. My favorite book. Mm. It's called The Feminine and the Sacred. They wrote it years and years and years and years ago. And what they found is that they, they went to Africa. They interviewed lots of people. They really hammered it out. They're both philosophers, you know, and they kept finding that the moment you tried to hold a sacred, hold it tight and say, this is it. 
you know, I've, I've got it now. It's in this box or it's in this ball or you get the idea yeah. that it automatically dissipates in your hand. Yep. But the sacred has to move through you and it has to stay moving. It cannot become stagnant. It cannot become a monument that that is not the real sacred. The sacred is more magical, organic, and alive than anything we can hold in our hand. I don't know what you think about that. Yes. No, I, it's like uh, holding sand right in your hand. If you try to grasp onto it, it just slips right through your fingers. And the best way to hold the sacred is the same way, the best way to hold sand in your hand, which is, <laughs> which is an open hand. That's the only way to do it. When you grasp onto truth, you will end up using it as a weapon to clobber people over the head. And I cannot think of a less Christ-like way of being in the world for Christians than to use truth as a weapon against others. Is it surprising to you sometimes that truth that we thought all of our lives can change, can be revealed to us that, that yeah. we thought, and then it suddenly... Maybe I, maybe I was standing on sand. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the more, and thank God for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, can be, it can be like, uh, it can be disorienting, but mm -hmm. that's the, that's the, that's the spiritual movement. If you're not being disoriented in this world that is so fractured by a truth that is always growing bigger and inviting you into a, a bigger reality, then for me, I just, I just think that that is not a truth worth living. If a truth is used as, as a weapon to exclude others, that's just, I'm not interested in that. That's not Christ-like to me anymore. Christ did have harsh words to say to certain people, and they were the religious elite who used religion as a weapon against others to divide the world into who is included and who is excluded. And Christians for far too long have uh, used that language from Jesus as a weapon against our Jewish siblings. He wasn't talking about Jewish people. He was talking about religious people who use religion as a weapon to harm, exclude, and scapegoat others. Jesus would come to many Christians today and, and use that same language, harsh language, against us whenever we use the religion that we formed in his name to exclude others. So that's the harshest that Jesus gets. <laughs> he, calls, <laughs> he calls those people a brood of vipers. He says that they are, oh. they, that they are sons of hell and they are, uh, they are turning their converts into more sons of hell, even worse sons of hell. What is a son of hell that Jesus is talking about here? precisely people who use religion as a weapon against others. You are only going to create more hell on earth when you use religion that way. And tragically, that's the way that many Christians are using religion today. And we need to stop. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I stay Christian, going back to Brian McLaren's book, Do I Stay Christian? Because if I give up on this thing, the other people are just going to have a louder voice. And People will not see Christ for who Christ is, which is not this exclusive, exclusionary person, but this person who invites us to live in relationships with love, of love with one another. And so that's why I'm, that's why I'm staying. <laughs> I just want to let you know right now, Adam, that spoke to me. And the reason it spoke to me so deeply in my heart is because I have been asked by so many witches, why do you stay? Mm. And Alabama, yeah. <laughs> why yeah. do you stay? You can't be out. You can't be true to yourself this way. You're always um, under threat. And my answer is just like yours. Yeah. My answer, and I'm a priestess, so I'm a leader. My answer is, if I leave, listen, someone has to do this work. Yeah. Somebody has to stay. And I'm not a martyr. I just feel deeply called to not leave, deeply called to stand my ground. Mm. You know, here in the deep South, magic has always been part of this land. You know, from, from the native peoples who lived here to the Irish who settled here to the Caribbean influence, 
the African influence that came through here, oh gosh, yeah, in utter duress and slavery, this magic has always been part of this land. And magic is the way we express our love. It's the way we express our intent, the way we express our souls. I'm not willing to leave. I'm going to stay. I hear you're going to stay. It sounds like you and I are going to brave up and continue these fights because they're good ones to have. They are. They are. It is It is the good trouble that John Lewis invited us into. And <laughs> uh, many, many uh, from our sacred traditions have shown us how to do the struggle. And I want yeah. to be in the struggle with you, Seba. So I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, part of the struggle is I know um, folks, we haven't talked a whole lot about biblical interpretation. And if I can just say like a couple of words about it. Sure. I, I assume that a lot of my witches and pagans will tense up a bit. I'm sure you have a good reason to do it. So let's go. Well, it, one of the fascinating things is that if you look at the book of Genesis, you will find that people outside of the Jewish tradition have God, have a sense of the spirituality, that the divine comes to them. And so Abraham goes on this mission and he meets uh, kings and people from other lands. And guess what? The divine is with them, too. The divine is with all of us. The divine is bigger than the small or large <laughs> religious <laughs> tradition that we that we claim. You are going to find the divine outside of your small religious box. And when you do, when I do, I say thank God. And so you find that throughout the book of Genesis. Uh, you find it in various places in the Bible as well. The passage in Exodus about not letting it, not uh, suffering a witch to live uh, is a hotly disputed passage. One of the greatest Bible scholars of the 20th, 21st century is Walter Brueggemann, and he says in his interpretation, his study of it, is that nobody really knows what this word in Hebrew means. <laughs> what it means in the context is someone who is antagonistic. Oh. Someone who is against certain people. So I don't know. It might be somebody who is, like we would say, somebody who is casting like negative prayers or saying negative prayers or something like that. Brueggemann says that's what this is. That's what this is about. Somebody who is sending like a hostility, living in more and more hostility or something like that. That's still not great because it's an interpretation <laughs> of saying that somebody should be killed. The Bible also says that if you have a uh, stubborn and rebellious son, that you are to take him to the center of the city and stone him to death. Um, I would not have sons if I... I, I, would, I would not be here, Seba. <laughs> I would not be here if, if we did that. The great thing about this is that people in the Jewish tradition didn't take these verses seriously. They didn't kill their children. That's good. Jewish uh, thought didn't take this commandment or whatever teaching to kill whatever this word is um, that gets translated as witches very seriously. In fact, there's another passage in the book of Numbers about a man named uh, Balaam, who's a sorcerer. Balaam is one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. He's asked by a king to curse the people as they're traveling through the wilderness and Balaam goes to his way of contacting the divine, and the divine comes to Balaam and says, you can't curse these people. And so Balaam goes back to the king and says, sorry, I can't curse them. <laughs> the divine has told me I can't do this. So throughout the Bible, you have people who are outside of the religious tradition engaging with, in their own spiritual practices, the divine. And this is, in many instances, seen as a good thing. You have the, the Magi who are from the East, wherever that is, probably uh, somewhere that we would call Iraq today, uh, the ancient Babylonian empire. And they look up at the stars oh. and they see the divine in the stars. And the story says that the stars led them to Jesus, the baby Jesus right? And then they go back home. 
And it doesn't say they became Christians. They believed in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Right. (laughs) They kept doing their spiritual practice and finding God in the stars, finding the divine in the stars, right? So this is all pagan. Forgive me if I'm using using the wrong phrases. These are all pagan practices, astrology that lead people beyond themselves to something more of the divine. And when we see that in the scriptures, when we see that, when I see that in the scriptures, I say, thank God. When I see people seeing God in nature and finding ways of communicating with the divine in nature, thank God for that. That's a beautiful thing. And we need more of that in the world. It reminds me very much um, as we get close to closing down, you know that one of the ways that we finally, the way, I think, but let's not, let's not exclude the divine yeah, yeah. meaning that we needed to speak. But I had a, a friend and she was suffering. We'll leave her name mm. out. Mm-hmm. She was suffering and she came to me. She loved Jesus so much. And she came to me thinking maybe she could find peace and wholeness with me as a witch. But that love that she had still in her heart for Jesus, I, I sent her to you. And I sent her to you. And then I wrote to you and I said, the sacred in me mm. honors the sacred in you. And as you were telling this story of these men, wise or not, yeah, <laughs> yep. I, th- I think to myself, because, you know, historically, some of these men weren't so wise, but I thought. You know, that sounds like what they did. Yep. Yeah. That sounds like they just honored something they saw was sacred. Yep. And I'm glad you put it like that because the story doesn't call them wise men, actually. And I think I probably ah. I think I probably called them wise men. It it literally calls them magi. They're magicians. Oh, These are magicians. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh, I think the Christians have that real wrong. <laughs> right? These are magicians. They're I don't I don't know the difference between magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, whatever. Like the Oh, that's okay. The point is no matter what you call them, they are not people who have been formed by Christian Jewish Christian scriptures. They are people who have been formed by other religious traditions. It led them to see the divine in places that we, that I as a Christian haven't been taught to find the divine. And if you can find the divine somewhere else, I want to know more about that. I'm curious about that. I want to find God, the divine, anywhere that I can. I am thirsty for that. And if you and I can share in finding the divine in multiple places, thank God for that. And on my end, thank goddess. (laughs) <laughs> thank god thank yes yes i do believe we're circling the same divine so <laughs> i i believe i believe that too i believe that there's something beautiful and sacred in the world in our hearts in the air and i think sometimes we have to call it something different yeah that's okay i love it yeah. i love it thank goddess for that Thank God for that. (laughs) Well, then I'll be kind and say, thank God. (laughs) All right, Adam, I'm going to stop the recording, but I wanted to first thank you so much for your openness, your transparency, your kindness, your generosity. Are there any last words you'd like to say? Uh, Just thank you. Thank you, Seba, for having me on on the show thank you for this wonderful conversation and i just want you to know that i love you and i love that you're a witch and that you are doing the hard difficult work and uh you're not alone and um i'm just very thankful for you this was very healing for me thank you back all right y'all adam you stay on the line and i'll see y'all next week Love you like chicken, baby. Blessed be. Hey, y'all, while that would usually be the end of our podcast, I did reach out to the wonderful Dar Williams, who wrote the song, The Christians and the Pagans, and I just wanted to thank her and Bulletproof Artist Management for allowing us to use her song for this podcast. It spoke to me. I hope it speaks to you. Here she is. See you guys next week. 
Amber called her uncle, said we're up here for the holiday. Jane and I were having solstice, now we need a place to stay. And her Christ-loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. He watched his son hang candy canes all made with red dye number three. He told his niece it's Christmas Eve, I know our life is not just style. She said, Christmas is like solstice and we miss you and it's been a while. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground the best that they were able. Just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said, sending hope for peace on earth to all their gods and goddesses. Great. The tree plugged in, the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said, is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, the pies are burning And she hit the kitchen, and it was Jane who spoke She said, it's true, your cousin's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow The friends we have, the world we share And you find magic from your God And we find magic everywhere so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning Tried to do the dishes Her aunt said, really, no, don't bother Amber's uncle saw how Amber Looked like him and like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken in a year He thought he'd call him up And say, it's Christmas and your daughter's here He thought of father's sons and brothers Saw his own son tug his sleeve Saying, can I be a pagan? Dad said, we'll discuss it when they leave so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Lighting trees in darkness, learning new ways from the old And making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the cold